of Earth, it's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Kenrick and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us and leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. United Armies of the Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenner Cregan. That's Mr. Horsley. That's Mr. Haas. And today on the show, well, it's what? It's kind of a, I, want, I don't want to say a tot because it's not a true tot, but all three of us uh, work here. <laughs> well, if you can call it work. I call it work. It's a lot of work to do this show. For the Spoiler Country podcast. And all three of us have things in the work right now um, that are outside the podcast that are in the medium that we love, that is comic books. And we thought it'd be fun to take some time out and get away from our normal interview style that we always seem to do and give some fresh perspective and something a little different than what you guys normally hear. Yeah, it's it's and it's selfishly a way for us all to promote projects we're working on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, and today we are joined with uh, Big Hoss, Jeff. How you doing, Jeff? Doing well. How about yourself? The get, the get, Jeff. <laughs> yes, I, I like the nickname. <laughs> the man who changed our podcast for the better. <laughs> I, I hope, I, I In like some it. ways, like, yeah, he big time. I hope so. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's yeah, kind of funny. It's people who don't know. Um, I wrote this whole op-ed piece in on my Facebook about Spoiler Country, and I had not written about the podcast for two years that we were running it because I didn't want any uh, false. He was embarrassed by it. No, I wasn't embarrassed at all. I didn't. <laughs> I really didn't want like a bunch of my friends who don't listen, who are not interested, you know, pumping my numbers up to make me feel like it's something more than it wasn't. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's what was going through my head. So it took like two years, and then I, I finally, because it was, we we're having such great success, and we were, we we're having a lot of success. We we're getting a lot of cool people on, and we we're doing a lot of fun shows. That I finally just wrote it out because the, I've said this many times before. I didn't realize how depressed I was until I started doing this, and how much it dug me out of a lot of depression and what you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm just, it's same man. It's it's amazing how cathartic and how just being able to sit and talk nerdy shit for an hour a week or however, actually seven times a week. Now it's, it, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's therapy. It's free therapy. Well, it's time consuming, but it's therapy. Yeah. Well, literally the next day, Jeff reached out and says, Hey, I read your thing. I want to help on the podcast. I have some contacts in the industries. I'd love to help you guys get interviews. I was like, Oh really? And you had been on the show. Uh, I think once or twice before um, once with Casey. Yeah. Once with, you didn't come on with John before that. Like, on a Kickstarter signal boost? I don't, only thing I remember was, is Casey's. I don't remember how I was on with John. I, I, it's uh, possible. We did a, no, we did a KSB for Sanctus. The oh first, shit. Yes. The yeah, first yeah. one. Yeah. That was, well, not the first one, but the first Kickstarter one he did, that number issue five, whatever it was. That oh, was that's going, me. that's going yeah. way long back. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's way back, man. <laughs> yeah. So 
fast forward, I said, hey, man, yeah, we'd, if, if you can get us people that to interview, we would love it because that's like John and I love to be on air. John does a lot of the back end stuff. I do a lot of the, the front end. You know, you guys hear me probably the most. Uh, that being said, we suck at getting people. And Jeff's like, I'm going to do this. We suck at following up after talking to someone to get them on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. We get all the numbers. We get all the emails. And then we, we, we're, we're terrible at follow through. But Jeff says, I'm going to do this. And man, Jeff, did you ever. Remember, <laughs> I think the third guest you got was Eric Larson. Yeah. I, I, I actually still have the original messages when you're talking to me and you're like, hey, if you think you get any, what you, what, what you guys said was, you guys you said you can do your, the podcast if you want, but if you got anyone interesting, we'd like to um, hop on. I said, yeah. okay. So I was like, well, I guess you got some people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff took that ball and ran with it. And man, we've been having a lot of fun ever since. And some of the people we've talked to, I mean, I don't even have a list in front of me, but off the top of my head is like Eric Larson. Robert Wool, uh, Emily Swallow, uh, not a visitor, not a visitor, yeah, not James, a visitor, Jeremy Shada, yeah, Ruth Connell, Ruth Connell. I mean, it, it's it's Walt Simonson, Oscar Chow, Oscar Chow, yeah, yeah, Walt Simonson, Walt Simonson, and Louise Simonson, yep, yep, Jerry Conway. I mean, Marv yep. Wolfman, Marv Wolfman. The the list goes on. Jerry Ordway. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. It's kind uh, of Kelly Jones. Yep, Jim Starlin. Yep, Jim, Jim Starlin. Starlin yeah. Kelly oh, Jones. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's it's just kind of crazy that it went to this these lengths that well, we're getting. It's it's crazy because we went from you know we, we we've always been prolific on episodes, right? We we do an episode a week, but we've we've always kind of averaged two to three a week, no matter what. Because I mean, in our first year, we put out a hundred episodes. That that's a, roughly a two week schedule. Yeah. And but when Jeff came on, it was, we stayed it that way. That it was like okay. We'll do a regular episode on Monday. We'll do an interview on Thursday. Which we haven't done a regular episode on Monday in a long time. Right, right. Which this is what this will be. But it'll be on Tuesday or whatever. But, it, it, and then it's like, okay, now we have to release two interviews a week. Okay, we're so backlogged. We're booked out for two months on recording. And we're booked out for four months on releasing. All right, now we're going seven days a week. We're going, we're going six days a week. It takes, yeah. it takes Sundays off for other stuff. Yep. It's just, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's awesome. But it's also like, oh my God. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be... It can be draining. There's been times that we've had to cancel just because life, yeah. you got to stop and you got to be like, okay, I got to take a step back. And, um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. What's it been like for you, Jeff? Oh, it's, 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 it's been fun. I mean, it's, it's been, uh, I, I felt after, um, October, November, like right around maybe February, March, it just felt like everything just kind of blew up and it just starts, it's been snowballing and, I've been, and the names have been getting bigger and the names have been more continuous yeah. and, the, and the asking isn't so hard anymore. Instead, it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, um, I, I know you guys. Well, I'll, I'll come on. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's what gets me. People know us. Yeah, that's, it dry, it, that, that's the what gets to me. It's like, um, wow, people well, actually know us. Hey, just so everybody knows, you probably hear some reverb going on and that's because yeah. Johnny's wife decided to sell their house that they just bought like yeah. a minute ago. And yeah. so everything's getting packed up. Everything's getting put away. And yep. so the office has slowly gone down to bare walls. Yeah. So, so you're, you're, you're hearing sound bounce around and we apologize for that. Sorry about that. But to go back to what you were saying, Kenrick and Jeff, we just had Judd Winnick on who before the recording was like, yeah, I listened, I listened to you guys' show. I like you guys' banter. I like the way you guys interview and stuff. Yeah. And radio was, style interviews. He yeah. loves it. So he was like, he knew our show. He's listened. He listens to the show and that gets me like, Oh, but people actually, I mean, people we're talking to know who we are are going the, into it sometimes that's cool the one that got me is one of the founders of man of action that came on and told us that right. he listens to our show while he's working yeah and i oh, was like man. what 
<laughs> well, well, didn't Jeremy Shada say the same thing? When we talked to Jeremy Shada, he said, um, you've interviewed friends of mine that you don't, you don't know they're my friends, but you've interviewed, interviewed yeah. them. So I know, I know you guys. I'm just like, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually froze for a second. That's like, cool. <laughs> hey, so, so people who don't know, we just had, we just interviewed Jeremy Shada. Uh, that episode has not released yet. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. His episode comes out in August. There's some special announcements on it that we can't release it before then. So we have to wait. But he is the voice of Finn on Adventure Time. And Jeff's wife is a super fan of Adventure Time. It's her and her best friend's like favorite show. Yep. They sit and they watch it all the time. We had something special happen. Jeff, did you get a chance to show her or to have her listen to the message? Oh, I did not wait. When she walked in the door, I showed it to her. And what was the reaction? <laughs> she was really excited. She was, she, she, she says she can't wait to actually put it on Facebook. Now she says the wait is agonizing, waiting for the show to go live so she can air it and, she and can, brag about you it. You could cut that clip out. We could cut that clip out. And oh, we yeah? could totally give it to her as just that clip. That's not no, a no, big no. deal. No, no, no. She should wait. Make her wait. Make her wait. <laughs> There's so, you have Leave such, it to John to make somebody wait. You have such wait. the opportunity here to hold it. And you have like, all yeah. the power right now. <laughs> For the For first time. time. You have the power, man. Use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Did she, did she uh, squeal with glee? Yeah, she was so excited, and it felt good. Um, I felt anxious waiting to show her. I was like, <laughs> when she was at work, I was like, come on, it's an hour, it's two hours, it's three hours left, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I was getting excited trying to show her because it's one thing to, when I get a guest that I'm excited for, it feels kind of, it feels good and I like it. But when I got a, a guest that my wife was excited to talk to, that suddenly you feel like the big man, you know? The, you know, the Look best thing about that is I asked, uh, Jeff during the interview, I'm like, hey, what is, you know, how, I want to make sure that I got his wife's name right. Right. And for yep. some reason, it's Joey Lynn, but I kept thinking in my head, Joy Lynn. Right. Yep. And I didn't want to say, can you say this? So when he came back and I said, Joey Lynn, and, I, and then I asked Jeremy, Jeff was like, what the F? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. That is so cool. <laughs> I, I, I did not. I, I was like, wait, wait, what's happening? <laughs> but no, that was really awesome. That was one of those, like, one of those moments where you realize you hit a spot where these cool things can now happen to you. Right? Yeah. You that's know? what makes the podcast. Uh, very special in a lot of ways. And we're getting to this weird realm where things are just kind of happening, you know, and it's, it's, it's kind of nice. Now we just got to make it to the next realm where we can all just do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, hey, when you guys cool. are ready, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go deal with that. But yeah, I, I feel like I, it feels like when you're going up a mountain and you can kind of see that cliff, like we're at the very top of it, right. that Zenith and you're, and you can see it and you can feel that you're just about there. And you just got to figure out, what are you, can you do to make that last step over to it? You know, yeah, we're right about to right about to hit it. We definitely have some ideas. We can't talk about them here, but we definitely have some ideas how to get that ball that ball going downhill. We do yes. for sure. But oh man, not for you to stop yawning. No, I'm not yawning. I'm drinking a beer and burping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying not to like blah yeah. into the microphone. But we're drinking a Fremont Brewery Sky Kraken. Not ha- not a, not sponsored yet. But uh, yeah. out there listening, we would definitely be sponsored. And I know we <laughs> we've requested that a few times. We should be getting Zoom. I'm just saying. Right. <laughs> we should. We use Zoom mics. We use Zoom mixers. Zoom cameras. I mean, come on. We're oh, using yeah. all their consumer products, right? <laughs> right. So, Johnny, let's Johnny, let's get into your stuff. Then we'll get into Jeff's stuff, and then we'll end on writers on, on our stuff. Sounds Does that good. Sound fair? Sounds fair. So, yeah. Johnny, tell us how how excited you just got your print of 
the Ein's anthology volume one. Oh man. So or book I, one, I should yeah, say book one. Yeah. So those who pay attention for the last, I don't know, three years was doing this podcast know that I've been working on a book called the Ein's anthology and uh, it has finally been printed. I have all the copies in my garage. Um, I have, excuse me, the beard's making me burp. I've been working on their sketch covers and getting all the extra stuff made and packed up and, is a hell of a journey, man. That's actually how we met Jeff was through me making this book and putting a call out on, on some Facebook group. I can't even remember what group it was, but I put a call out on it's some like a writer's group, group, wasn't it? It was like a writers and artists connection group on Facebook. Yep. yep. And I put a call out saying, and the, the basic pitch was, I got an idea for a story for an anthology book. It's a little different than normal. Uh, the original pitch was, I was going to hire a bunch of art writers to come in and tell these stories within this world that I created. And then I was going to draw all the stories myself. That was my original plan. Right. Um, but, you know, after talking with Kenrick and my wife and realizing that uh, I'm not. We hounded you <laughs> at SDCC 2017. Well, uh, yeah. We did, though. We did. We, we did. hounded you. Yeah. Well, I came to the realization that I was like, yeah, I am not going to be able to. If, if I want to release this book in the next 10 years, I should probably have somebody else draw it because. While I could do all this artwork, I am not the fastest at drawing sequentials, and I know this. I know my strengths, and that's not one of them. Yeah. So, sort of bringing in other writers and st- artists and stuff to come in and and, uh, and and work on these on these stories, and that was um, kind of like once I did that, it was like going. It was like all of a sudden it took off as far as production wise. Um, sort of picking out the stories. You know, Jeff wrote a story for the book uh, for I think it's in book three, and um, it's the first book done. I, had, I brought Casey in to do editing. Casey wrote a story. Uh, for Ford as well. Uh, can record a story in the first book. Uh, it's 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 a we got art from Scott Godleski. We got art from from Sebastian Bayano. Uh, you know, over dude, uh, getting art. Scott Godleski was that was like a moment in time that was yeah. super lucky because that guy. People who don't know, Godleski does a ton of DC work. He's drawn on Batgirl, on Superman, on uh, uh, Batwoman, not Batgirl. Oh yeah, Batwoman. I think he's doing Batgirl now. Actually, okay, I might. I think he is, but he's super busy. You can't get commissions from him, you know? Yeah. And I happen to be on Twitter. He's happened to come on our show because he has his own podcast called the illustrious gentleman, which is great with him and Ryan Cody. And it's, 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 it's funny. You should listen to it. If you're into this show, you should probably check it out at least as a sideshow. And he said, Hey, I happen to have a month. If you have commissions, let me know. And I, I literally got him like two seconds after he put that tweet out. And yeah, he did our stuff and he was late because like 30 minutes after putting that tweet out, he was booked with DC. So I booked him within a 30 minute time window for him to be able to do that book, you know, and his his work was fantastic. Yeah. I colored it. And I, I got to say, I'm, I spent a lot of time on those colors to make him look, make him pop. Oh, you did great, dude. I think that's your calling more than doing, than doing pencils. Coloring. Yeah. It's coloring. Yeah, I do have a. When it comes to this medium, yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, I do have a good color. I don't know. I like. I, I always. I never thought of myself as a colorist. You have a or, good palette. Yeah, I, I, I guess I do. But I, I love and I love doing it. But I never thought of my, I was like, oh, I don't want to be a colorist. That's not where the. I want to be a. I want to be a penciler. You know, I don't want to be a colorist. But I always find myself. Yeah, the penciler is the sexy. That's why. right, right. But I always find myself doing colors or looking at the colors and being like, oh, I could do that or or doing it and always being like when I learned when I learned how to use the. I started using the markers and started doing those realistic colors. It's like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah. So <clears throat> go back to the Eins. You know, it's, it's you know, if, if you've heard, if we did a whole month on it back last year. We did the Kickstarter and we've, I've ta- we've talked about it, you know, ad nauseum. I mean, tons here on the show. <laughs> right. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of fun. And I got to say, I'm really super proud of the it first book. a lot of work. 
lot of work. I mean, it took me two and a half, three years to get that first book out. Um, it's, it's a lot of work getting it done because if you don't know what it is, essentially it's a story of a family over a thousand years. The family is the Ainz family and it follows them through history and their dealings with the supernatural, whether they're fighting the supernatural, whether they are the supernatural, the monsters, the, the, the demons, the things that go bump in the night. And it's not necessarily a good versus evil story. It's more of a, an I just a story of Ainz itself. And it was hard to put together because it's a bunch of short stories. It's 10 short stories that all tell one bigger story. So if you read, you can read each story individually, but each story weaves together through a connecting story throughout, which was, I wrote the connecting story, which was very, I was very, I was very hesitant to write a, a, a like a story between like a page between to connect the story before and the story after, because it felt very hacky to me. I was like, I don't want to, but I don't want it to be cheesy. So I, I put a lot of, a lot of time into trying to make sure that the story between the pages or between the stories added to the story, but wasn't just like, Oh, this just happened. Now this happens. You know, like a, making an actual weaving story, not just a, a you know, you watch like a, a, an anthology on TV and it's like, Oh, well you just watched the guy do this. Now we're going to watch this type of thing. And I think I succeeded. Uh, I've gotten a, a handful of reviews back for the book already. All of them are super positive. All of them kind of highlight the same things that I felt uh, that are good and highlight the th- same things that I thought were weak in the story. Like if I had my chance to redo book one, yeah, I would have added a, an 11th story to give it a stronger ending. I don't, well, I like the last story of the book. I don't think it ends the book very well. I just like that I got positive reviews. I thought people were going to shit yeah. on my story. No, actually, your, your, your book more than once has been picked, or your story has more than once been picked out as the favorite of the book. I know, that's awesome. Uh, which, which is cool. <laughs> and, and so it, it's, it's, it was, it's a I'm fun Not going to lie, it feels pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I got three more books to do. Book two is like about 60% done already. Book three is sitting at about 20, 30% done. And book four is still in the planning stages. Um, I have the whole overall thing because ideally, when this is all said and done, there'll be four books in a volume, or one there'll be one like. Pro- this is a ten-year plan, you know that. Is, right? I know it'll probably be a one giant like omnibus book or collective book of all four to tell the whole story. But the idea is that all four books will tell one story throughout history and throughout all these other stories that connect together. And it's it's an, I mean I have a huge OneNote file of notes, and, and if you look at it, it's you can't think I'm a crazy person because I've got a page for every single character talking about when they were born, when they died, who they're related to, all their kids, all their parents, aunts and uncles. I mean, basically the story Bible is gigantic for this. I mean, there's 250 characters in the story and that's just the family members. That does not count all of the demons and the, and the monsters that are in the story as well. And they play a big part. And like the biggest key of the story is not all of the family members are good because that's not reality. So there's, there's some, like one of the stories in the first one has an Einstein who's a real, real bastard. And, uh, it's just, it's a really big thought puzzle to put all this together. And like everybody I've had involved in this from, from Kenrick here to, to Jeff, to Casey, to, to um, Rick Bugby, to Scott Godlewski, to everybody who's been on this. It's been just such a thrill ride to, to get it out. Now the book's out. So now I've got to sign them all and get them all shipped out. And it's, it just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot, it's going to be a lot of fun to keep doing it. What is your, when, when you look over this, <clears throat> and you're, you're, you're at book one, you have book two, book three, book four, all thought out. And do you have every story for every book already done? I don't, I mean, written. Uh, no. So the, the way, the way it works for Ainz is, uh, I didn't, the, like Jeff will tell you, uh, I mean, and you know, this kind of, well, you, you kind of had more of an insight into the story than anybody, anybody else, just because we're related by marriage and we live close and talk all the time. But yep. like Jeff will tell you, that when I initially did the call out, I didn't give a lot of details out beyond what that writer was writing their story for. Right. right. 
that I, like, I remember a timeline. Yeah, a timeline, and then you gotta you gotta pick the time when you wanted to be in and write about the characters. And I gave you the characters. I gave you a very little bit of what the character was about and let you kind of flesh all that out. And then kind of what I did is I, I'm taking all these stories, letting the writers have the creator freedom of creating their own story within this world, and then weaving that into the, the built narrative that I have to tell this story and kind of modifying my story around the stories of the other writers to make it make sense. And some of the writers who write on the later stories, I, I'm giving them more information. Hey, this has already happened or these characters have already interacted. You know, there's continuations. And, but for the most part, all the initial stuff was just, hey, here's the timeline. Here's characters. You have anywhere from two to 10 pages. Let's make it awesome. And mine was this, I just noticed my story. I was like, you have no, nothing in Christmas and nothing in the nineties. I want that. <laughs> exactly. And you, you pitched your idea and I was like, do it. Let's do it. Yeah. And yeah. So to, to answer your question for the, I have, I have the story of what happens overall with the four books already p- pinned out for the most part. Right. Um, I have three separate endings that I thought of that I can't figure out which one I want to do yet. Um, <laughs> right. But none of that really matters until I get to book four for the most part. Um, but the stories in between uh, that are going into each book, they, they've been mostly picked, but the ones for book uh, one and two are pretty easy to do because those are, books one and two are pretty much set up books, right? They set up the, book one really sets up the world. Book two will dive you into the world. Book three will, will basically tear the world apart. And then book four will be some kind of resolution for all of it, right? Book four is going to be a lot harder to put together because it's going to be very targeted stories. So that one doesn't have any stories in it yet at all because I've got to, I got to get through and pick all the stories for book three and then figure out, okay, what's going to make sense to put in this last book to make sure that this whole story comes to, comes together at the end and comes to fruition. There you go. That is a nice tight synopsis of what's going on in the Ions anthology. And it's going to be exciting because you just got your thousand books delivered to the house. A 500 pound pallet. Yeah. Yeah. And so when do you think they actually start being sent out? I know we got like 200 books to sign, um, but after yeah. that, when do they start actually hitting um, people's mailboxes? Do you think? So my plan, roundabout number is ballpark. My, my plan is to get uh, everybody who didn't order a hardcover, all their stuff mailed out within the next week. Oh, wow. That's ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. And then people who order the hardcover are going to have to wait until the hardcovers come in. They haven't come in yet. They're taking longer. Um, that, and now if, the, if you order a sketch cover, but not a, a sketch cover, but not a hardcover, that'll be probably the next week. I've got a bunch of sketch covers to, excuse me, damn beards, we need burp. The sketch covers, I got a bunch of them done. I'm continuing to do them. You can actually follow my the Instagram, Ein's Anthology on Instagram, or I made a TikTok. If you go follow white2cl.net on TikTok, I put up all the sketch covers on TikTok with little videos my daughter makes. Interesting that you, you, you mentioned TikTok, but I'm going to wait and tell you guys okay. on the prelude, on our transition over to Jeff. Okay. But it's funny because I made the TikTok because I want to, it was basically something I could do with my 12-year-old daughter and then kind of incorporate the comics and the podcast and have fun with her. And so she... Her and I talk about it. She makes the videos and posts them. And then, you know, they're on the account for whitecl.net. And uh, they've been doing pretty good. Like each video gets like 400 to 600 views, which is kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but so you can follow it there. You can go to einsanthology.com to sign up for updates or, you know, everybody should know where I am at on Twitter, whitecl.net or whitecl on Twitter. But um, the hardcovers, as soon as they come in, all I have to really do is sign them and mail them out because I'll have everything else ready to go. But everybody who has backed it on Kickstarter, I've got a bunch of extra stuff that I'm including for everybody because it did take longer than expected. So I've got a bunch of extra freebie stuff that everybody who bought physical copies is going to be getting in the mail. So hopefully from the release of this, within two weeks, people should start getting packages. Oh my God. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, congratulations, man. I hope it oh. goes really well. I can't wait to see it out in the cons when hopefully they come back soon. Yep. Oh, and I've also been talking to comic shops and I've got, a, I got a, several local comic stores interested in carrying in their store too. So nice. Very cool. Very cool. 
So you mentioned TikTok. I don't know. And, and this is kind of a, a, a tangent. This is a, a, a side conversation. And I want to see what you guys are thinking. It's a connecting story. It's okay. So TikTok, uh, this is on theverge.com. I don't know if, if people are aware of it. It's a pretty well-renowned re- and received uh, tech blog. Um, they, they Actually, the people who started it used to run Engadget. And then when Engadget got bought by AOL, all these guys quit and started The Verge. And Engadget used to be a great tech site. And anyways, so TikTok uh, is the, the social video app that everybody knows about. It's owned by a Chinese uh, company. Um, what is their name? It is called. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. They're owned by a Chinese government, uh, not Chinese government. They're owned by a Chinese. Uh, They're owned by ByteDance. Yeah, ByteDance. That's a Chinese company called ByteDance. Yeah. And anyways, so the Chinese government has a ton of censorship and they have very draconian measures to, to keep that influence alive. And they're requiring that all, um, instances of products that that are being done in China need needs to report user data. So what does that mean? That means that your data could be sent over to the Chinese government. So Hong Kong, um, who is still not completely China. So people understand, um, has suspended the use of TikTok in their, in their air, in their region, uh, because they don't want people's users, you know, they don't want to be in compliance of, people's user data going over to mainland China. Um, on top of that, India has banned the use of TikTok in their country. And Mike Pompeo told Fox that the government is certainly looking at banning TikTok and various other Chinese social media apps because of this. Um, so something to be aware of if all those guys out there, all you YouTubers and, and TikTokers out there uh, are continuing to use the platform, you might just be aware that this could be coming down. It's kind of interesting. What do you guys think? I think that's kind of the risk you take with any social media app you use, to be honest. I mean, everything. Well, there's differences. Like YouTube is obviously an American-based company. They're not, uh, we would hope that the government is not requesting user data. I don't think they are as a whole. Um, but And same with Facebook and, you know, and Instagram and Snapchat. These are all American-based companies that don't do things like this, that don't have a government that is requiring user data to be sent over. Yeah, no, I, I, I get it. Yeah. I instead, instead they're just selling it to the, the, to the top bidder, but right. Well, a lot of them, yeah, that's another thing. A lot of that does happen. Jeff, you have any thoughts on it or I'm not sure the world needs TikTok to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. It's kind of I lo- insane. I admit I have, I have a TikTok account. I don't use it to put videos out. But I do watch a lot of them because they do. Some, there's not all the time, but some of them will make me laugh a lot. Don't let him lie to you. He's doing dance videos all day long. <laughs> oh yeah, so he, he's the one in the fuzzy bear. Yeah, he is the fuzzy. I am bear the fuzzy bear. bear. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's it's a Chinese company. You kind of expect that, but I mean, well, is that different than what's going on with the rest of social media? I imagine once you put social media, all your information is out there already. You're already being. That's how they make their money. They're selling your information. Yeah, and pictures. That's a valid argument. Yep. Yeah. I, I I am considering. I, I'm slowly getting to the to the decision to drop Facebook, but at the moment, for you know, it's too necessary for advertising. It's weird, right? I hate. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm. We use Facebook. Our Facebook uh, account, our our Facebook page for Spoiler Country is doing really really well, and our Spoilerverse page is doing really really well. We still, 
we still slaughter all the social media numbers when it comes to our website, right? That's where we, we shine the most. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, you know, everybody I know uses Facebook Messenger, which drives me nuts. You know, if I can get away from that into something else, I'd be a much happier person because Facebook Messenger and Facebook itself infects your phone. It's, it's why do I need to have giant notifications on my phone and dinging happen when I don't, I don't need that? You know, I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to music and I'm driving in my car and it literally cancels out my music or my podcast to tell me that a message is coming in on Messenger. It's like, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't need that. Drives me nuts. So moving right along, uh, Jeff has another book that just came out and this is Malik, Reigning Devil. Yeah, um, it's going to be a six issue miniseries. It started off. Awesome. In uh, uh, Gunmetal Black Ops, it was an eight-inch, it was eight-page uh, backup uh, story that um, I was talking to a publisher, um, Phoebe Xavier, and she had a, um, a she had, owns a you know a combo company. And she was looking for backup stories. I was like, yeah, yeah. sure. I, I, you know, I came up with a backup story with this character called Malik, who's a um, um, angel that God sent to kill the devil, um, and un- unbeknownst to Malik, on killing the devil, you become the devil. <laughs> okay and it's part of not only does he become the devil but as the story goes in the f- first eight pages it's it's kind of a very tight eight pages is that um he has to go to to go to hell he has to basically fall and become a fallen angel so he can never return back to heaven the moment he falls right so in this one act for his god who supposedly the beloved creator he has forever lost power to Right. And the story uh, through way of the eight pages is his anger in realizing that he's been on some level used and forsaken by his God. Um, but he does kill the devil. He does then take over. And Malik reigning devil number one takes, um, takes place right after that when the, it literally starts off with him picking up the head of Lucifer and walking down the hallway with it. <laughs> and, and basically it comes off, the, the idea comes from that point where it is, Malik's anger towards his God and what do you, does he owe the, his creator? And or on some level, the idea of what do we owe parents? What do we owe, um, you know, those who brought us into the world as it were. And he's facing that as a, as his big decision. What do I owe this thing that brought me in the world, but yet then turned around and treated me so, so poorly. And so, and used me so poorly by, you know, damning me like this. And it kind of goes off with him accepting the new reality that not only is he the devil, but he's going to um, start a revolution against God and take hell with him in that revolution. So he's becoming the devil uh, full circle. Yeah. Um, he basically is going from the beginning, the idea of the Lucifer as something that he saw as an evil to realizing that he's going to have to now be Lucifer to get his vengeance on the, the God that he you know, is, is now uh, used. Where did this uh, character come from? How, how did, when, when did you first come up with Malik and, and, and have an idea of what the story was going to be about. Okay. Basically the um, Phoebe Xavier wanted an eight page story w- with guns in it. <laughs> and I <laughs> <laughs> Gun metal ops. It makes sense. Gun metal. He said, he said, you can write the story of whatever you want it to be, but it's got to have guns. And I f- said, okay. And I sat around for um, two days. I almost sent him, uh, sent her, sent her a, um, a message saying, I can't do this. I don't have a story for you. And then I realized, you know what? I, I, I can be really angry too sometimes. And I thought of this character who could take on some of my more angry impulses. 
Yeah. And the and being someone who's kind of an agnostic atheist that kind of that I am, I often have thought very deeply over time about theology and philosophy. And I and I thought to myself about the idea of God. You know, what is a God? Why would it behave this way? And if a God does behave this way, what would we owe it? Right. And then I re- and then as I did that, I backtracked to the character of Malik and thought, what character would be would best um, accentuate that concept and best display my feelings on that subject? And Malik became that character, and I gave him a rifle to uh, make Phoebe happy. <laughs> a, a, a demon killing rifle. Right, a demon killing rifle. That's awesome. Yes. And then when you when you first wrote this and you you wrote those eight pages, do you like I want to revisit this character, or did you think you were done? I was positive. I was pretty done. I was pretty much done. And I, you know, I sent it to Phoebe and, and she liked it. And I, and I determined that, you know, it was a nice story. It, honestly, um, I, I might as well just, um, originally the story ended with Malik killing himself. Oh, right wow. at the end. Um, Is that was, in the eight page? Yeah. Oh, the eight page originally he was going to kill himself. That's how I wrote it. Um, the reason was that instead of becoming the devil, he now wanted to please God in killing Lucifer nor did he want to um, become the new devil. So his only way out was going to be to kill himself. And that was the original story. And then Phoebe said, no, that's bad. I don't like that. That's, that's a horrible ending. I was like, <laughs> okay, so he kills the devil. And then about a month later, um, I thought about it and I, and I started kicking around the idea of the character. And I was like, you know, I'm not done with this yet. The character has not accomplished his task. And I sent a, a message to Phoebe. I was like, you know, there's a story here. And she said, yeah, I was about to message you and say, there's a story here. <laughs> and it, it, it started happening. And then I kind of kicked it around and I thought to myself what the story was. And I decided uh, we agreed on six issues being, you know, the number of the devil, six, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, what we, and what I determined was there's going to be two issues in hell, one issue in purgatory, two in heaven, and then an epilogue. And that's going to be our six issues of a map. Oh, cool. Cool. So, when it came to the art, did you have any say on who was going to draw and pencil and color? Or did Phoebe just say, this is the people that are going to do this? Uh, Phoebe um, said, I, I found an artist for you. I think he's good. And I said, okay, so I'm not paying for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's always a bonus. <laughs> yes. I'm like, all right. I mean, it's free for me. And I don't know how many you know um, people listening are writers. Yeah. But the onus of financing a book is completely on you. The risk as usually as on the writer is completely on you. Yep. The risk of failure and bankruptcy is completely on you. So, I mean, and most comic book artists cost a lot of money. You pay the penciler, the inker, the colorist, the letterer, you know, printing. Dude, when we got Scott Godleski on, dude, that was a pretty penny. And then John had a story and he had Drew Mostraw and that was another pretty penny. So yeah, you want to get good artists. It's, 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 it's a pound of flesh for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and a lot of people would say, you know, did you make another, what did you make as a writer? And I'm pretty much thinking they paid for the artist, man. If you think about how much it costs per page to do all that stuff, that's kind of what I made to get my story made. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, it, that's kind of with more of my payment. And I saw the art um, of, of the guy's name is Juan. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember his last name. I wish I did. Um, but his name is one and his art was phenomenal. And I was on board immediately and said, you know, he had a, he has a fantastic, very dark, gritty, almost 90s style. Um, like it 90s reminded image. me. So it kind of reminds me a lot of the, the first couple issues of lady death. Okay. I, I didn't actually see read those, but I, I get this, but I, what I've seen in lady death, I can see the style. Yeah. 
you know, not in the in the women, but in the uh, the way he drew hell and the and the and just the the lines and everything in the color. It just kind of reminded me of Lady Death. Yeah, and the colorist is this guy named uh, Chris uh, McAuley, and he's phenomenal colorist. He does a lot. He's done work for Marvel. Um, he apparently actually did some work for Tom McFarlane as well, which was pretty cool. And he's you know he's just helping out, but he's a really cool guy, and he's always um, and the thing I like most about Chris is that he's supportive. Yeah. Um, it's easy to pay a guy to do the work if you have the money to do so. Like anyone, if you have the money, can pay an artist to do the work. Yeah, right. But it's different to have someone do the work who believes in the project and helps you um, and is supportive of you as the writer to keep going on because writing is a very lonely job on some level. Um, it's you believing in your own project hoping that it's, you're doing the right thing, that it's all working for you, that it does help to have someone on the team who knows your work going, I really like this. I'm doing it for this. And I'm like, and that it helps push you to make them to complete it. That's nice. As well. Yeah. Juan Manuel Almiron. Oh, okay. Thank you for that. Like I'd never be able to pronounce it correctly, even if I did see it. Yeah. Right. Um, I think that's how you say it. I'm usually pretty good at the names. Close enough. Close yeah. enough. I mean, he's not on Facebook. He might not even see this. It's not the Maddies. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Did you hear no. about that? No. Oh, yeah. John, we were talking to J.M.D. Mateus. And, and uh, before we had him on, we, we knew how to say his name before we got him on. But when we did, our second episode is a review of Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. And you look at D. Mateus's name, and it can be a little, like, it could be whatever. And John just goes, it's the Maddie's. And so we just said to Maddie's the whole time. And you couldn't oh, be no. farther off the truth. But when we talked to, when we talked to him, to JM, um, we did not say the Maddie's. Good, good. <laughs> we said <Yeah>. it correctly. <laughs> I ran into that problem when I was interviewing Stan Sakai. And because all his characters were Japanese names and stuff. Yeah. So I keep saying names and he's like, that's not how you pronounce it. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, was like, how about, I was like, how about this character? It's like, oh, it's pronounced this. I was like, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, he's so nice, though. He, 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 he was really cool. I, I was fortunate to talk to him. I was fortunate that he didn't um, get angry at me when I pronounced, like, the ninth character wrong. Right. <laughs> so, so you got six episodes, six issues, ready to go with Raining Devil. Are they all written, or are you working on number two right now, or number three, or what? Okay, so... The six issues, not counting the, the the mini. The mini is a different and it's like a prologue, different entity. Right. Um, there's issue one is like I said, it's out, it's complete. Issue two is on the phase of being uh, penciled right now. It's on page five of penciling. Nice. Page, uh, issue three is fully written. Issue four is mapped out in my head, um, and then I got to uh, put together five and six. Though I know the key beats, obviously. Right. 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 You but, have an outline of everything. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know what's going to happen. Um, I know uh, I have ideas in my head and I see like the panels that I want to, you know, see happen. It's more of an idea of um, filling in the dots to it, which will obviously flesh it all out. Yeah. And that I'm, I'm holding off a little bit on because I don't want to get too far ahead. And also um, it gives a chance with some distance to revisit and try to think of like what, go back and figure out what, was there anything that I left hanging that I want to revisit? Is there anything that I find readers uh, we're more curious about that I should maybe dive a little more into. So I'm, I'm giving a little more space, probably another month, a few months before I get on four. So is the same team 
working on book two and book three, book four or five and six or um, the same team is on book two. Um, I think the same team is going to be on book three. Um, I'm not sure about four five and six. Okay. Um, there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's going to be, it, it depends on some things visually issues um, four five and six are going to be quite different. Cause that's when we enter heaven. Right. And also there's going to be a, um, a very different um, theologic, um, attitude to that to those issues as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with. It. So I, we've talked about this on the podcast before. You're Jewish. Does yep. your faith and your cultural identity change how you write this style of book? Um, to some extent, um, like I said, I, I tend. Well, I'm. Um, I would say ethnically Jewish because both my parents are Jewish. Yeah. Um, I do tend to have a belief system that um, hangs closer to agnostic and atheist. Right. Which. Um, I will say that's Similar agnostic. To John and I. Yep. Yeah. So the agnostic part of me tends to um, speak loudest in the story, though. In, <laughs> um, <laughs> and and this may be, and also I probably that's why I probably sorry can offend people quite heavily because it's very agnostic, and I would on some level has a very negative view of um, the heavens. Maybe is the best way to phrase it. Right. But um, yeah, <laughs> and I, I was, the Judaism um, has a certain impact as far as looking at kind of like the, the Torah and that version of God instead of maybe a more Christian version. However, um, Dante's Inferno, uh, the divine comedy yep. also is, it speaks very loudly in this series as well. And a little bit of season of Mist with Neil Gaiman, their version of Lucifer played a bit of a role when I got to issue uh, three, as far okay, as cool. um, how to, how do I kind of developed um the character of Lucifer. There's definitely inspired in, inspiration from that as well that I should give a shout out to. But I would definitely say it's more of the agnostic in me that looks at um, the questions of God, issues of religion, and kind of looks at a religious version of God that's very wrathful and angry and kind of a dick. And yeah. think to myself, if God is really that big of an asshole, why should you be so referential towards it? Right. And, and that's kind of where Malik is coming out of. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. How fulfilling was getting this first book out? It feels good. I mean, when 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 you get that, I'm sure you guys do. When you get that first comic book in your hand, and even though it's, I think it's my tenth or eleventh comic book that I've had in print, it looks cool. And if anyone has been, in, it ever goes to my house. There's a vanity wall behind me right now with my last name in big print, and all the books <laughs> nice, I've written is on nice. that wall in top loaders because I'm arrogant and egotistical, <laughs> and, and I want to talk about show myself. And that issue went up immediately. You should have all that up in the display, man. You should. Yeah. Hell yeah. I I will send, I will show you guys the picture of my vanity wall because it's right there. I even have the ones that I show up as letters in other comic books. You know, um, I have some published letters in some other uh, Marvel and DC comic books as well. So they're on the wall as well. But yeah, I'll take a show the picture of my vanity wall. It's there. It's very narcissistic. But the comic book went up immediately with the top loader waiting for weeks for that comic book to arrive. That's awesome. That That's awesome. awesome. Congrats, That's so Jeff. Cool. I'm, I Thank hope you. it goes really, really well and you get in the next six come out and, or the next five come out in a timely fashion. And, and hopefully this one's doing really well. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah. So the last thing that we have, the last topic, I think we stayed pretty good on topic, huh, Johnny? Yeah, for the most part. So the last one that we have is something that Johnny and I have been working on and going back and forth. We are still in, uh, what do you say, wouldn't call it planning so much as story writing, right? We, yeah, have, we, have, we, we have the overall plan now. Now we're, in, now we're in the basically creating the beats of the story and figuring out how we want to tell the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the character 
um, not fleshed out, so to speak, but we have a very good idea of who she is and uh, what's going on and then everything else. And John and uh, Jeff, I don't know if you had a chance to listen. We originally were calling it Rider of the Old West, which I don't know why we said that because Rider of the West sounds so much cooler. Yeah, yeah. And so the whole, the basic concept of what we had was we started talking about we, how we both love Jonah Hex. And I don't know how you feel. Are you a big John? Are you a Jonah Hex fan? I, I do like the character. I like what Palmiotti and Gray did with it the most uh, with, the, with the character. They did an amazing job. Yeah. Yeah. Palmiotti. Well, anything Palmiotti does, it's worth checking out. And anyways, I, I, I love a good Western, you know, and you don't get a lot of good Western comic books like you used to. And you definitely don't get them in the vein of Jonah Hex. And it's not that we're trying to copy Jonah Hex in any way, but we just wanted a cool one. And we both love supernatural stories, you know, supernatural horror stories. And we're like, well, how do we do something in the old West? That would be a lot of fun. And then we started thinking about what if it's a, a, a boy and his horse. Okay. And then we're thinking, okay, well, and this is all on a podcast. We fleshed this out live, you know, and it was kind of funny because we both got really, really excited and we're like, okay, now that we have a concept, what, what are we doing with this? Okay, so now it's a, a at the beginning it was a boy and his horse, right, riding through, kind of like kung fu style. Yeah. You know kung. You know the, the the TV show kung fu. I know of it, but not a lot. Okay, so kung fu was it was Bruce Lee actually came up with the concept of this of the uh, TV show, but it was actually uh, David Carradine who got it because he looked kind of Asian, but he was more white. Right. He's white. So they thought yeah. he would he would better uh, assimilate, not assimilate. But what's the word I'm looking for? Well, Hollywood is super racist. That's why he got it, uh, especially in the 1970s. But anyways, that's what we were. I was thinking of when we were talking out loud was how do we have this person going from town to town? And then we started to take, talk about the relationship with the horse and the boy. And then the boy turned into more into a girl. And then we thought, well, Native Americans first nation are much better writers than any any european coming out of that era you know they just were yeah even though the horses were new to america were only a few hundred years old or a couple hundred years old because the spanish brought them over and then they started breeding and then become this whole thing anyways but the natives of south america central america and north america just really took the horses and just were amazing writers so everything, okay, well, now she needs to be, it needs to be, we want her to be a girl because we just think it'd be a lot more fun to have it be a girl. And then we're like, okay, now we want it to be a native girl because then she'll be a better writer and there's more to the stories that we could write. Um, and who knows, maybe this will change. But then we start thinking, okay, well, now we have this, we have this relationship, right? But how do we make this relationship unique? Yeah. And, we, and it, now the thought is, well, who's this horse? And is the horse a supernatural? And if it's a supernatural horse, then what is the horse's goal with the relationship? Then it's like, okay, well, now is the horse relationship with the girl symbiotic or is it is there malice in the intent, right? And we yeah. don't really know. And so we think of the backstory would be the, the girl is maybe she is a part of the Trail of Tears and we have to do this right. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a we lot have a of lot of research to do. Yeah, we have a lot of research to do. And maybe she's a part of the, the the trail of tears. Maybe she gets left, or maybe her parents, more like her parents, are murdered. Right? 
She's left with like a three-year-old or maybe even a two-year-old. This horse finds her and raises her. And the reason that this could happen is because, of course, the horse is not of this realm, right? And maybe we can have the horse being able to talk to her through dreams or through, you know, I don't want it to be straightforward telepathy, but maybe it is, you know? Yeah. And then as they grow, their relationship grows. And, but as you go through the book, you don't know if this horse is what is going on, you know? And in our mind, I, in my mind, and I don't know, and Johnny, I think he's on the same page. And, but as we start writing out the plot line, it might change, right? Based on what we talk about. We're thinking maybe this horse is a reincarnation of, of you know, whatever throughout time. And that this incarnation of whatever it is has been looking for a particular soul its whole millennial or millennium or however long, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's come cool. down to this girl and now they're, they're going through all these trials and tribulations, but their relationship is still unknown, you know? And so I think that's where we left it, Johnny, or did I, did I miss something? No, I mean, you got most of it there. Essentially, they, they, as you mentioned, uh, the relationship of where what the horse wants with this girl is unknown. And that's kind of the point of the story is we don't know if this horse is, like you said, is, is good or, or has malice in its heart or what, what its desire to meet up with this soul is. But it is just the soul that's been searching for its whole, its whole existence. And uh, we had thought of doing flashback stories to show other souls that it's kind of connected to, but have found, always found out that it's not the one because it's trying to find this one. And we have thoughts of how to connect to the reason of why this horse is searching for yeah. this soul, and, but we're not going into that today. Right. Because <laughs> so, there, there, there's a particular story that is very close to Johnny and I's heart and probably yours as well. And there's a part of us that's like, we really want to connect it. You know what I mean? But we're, not gonna name, we're not going to name drop that here. But we're not going to. Yeah. We, it, well, we can't name drop it and we don't want to be seen as trying to steal any ideas because we're not. It's just that where there's a part of us is like, oh man, if we could never actually name it, but give hints to what it could be, you know what I mean? And then let people draw their own conclusions. So what, uh, when does the story take place? Did you have a time period? It'd be in the old West, you know, so it would be mid 1800s. Yeah. Mid 1800s, somewhere around there. Well, if, if we go with the trail of tears, it's got, it's um, then it would be like, you know, 10 years or 12 years after that. We want her to be, we want her to be a teenager. Like maybe even an early teenager. Yeah. And so, so you guys going for more of is it like a horror vibe, action vibe? What what kind of genre are you it's, sticking with? It's more supernatural thriller. Yeah. Well, very cool. Yeah. So the Trail of Tears is eighteen thirty one to eighteen seventy seven, right? So it's going to be around that time frame. So probably more like the eighteen sixties. Do, do you have a, and you have what visual style are you guys going with? That's a good. That's a good good question. So that is something. Like in my mind, my my, if I had my druthers and I could pick any artist in the world, it'd be Ben Temple Smith. Oh, he's yes. really good. That would that is like the visual of what we see for this book. But yeah, that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think a standard superhero writer or artist would be appropriate. No, it needs to be the art. The because the story is so, it's going to be so in your head, right? Because a lot a lot of the a lot of the beats going to take place within her head and outside and and, and kind of. A, outside of the quote unquote real world, the art needs to match that in some way. Yeah. So the art's going to be more of an experimental like, art type. You're talking about like Kelly Jones, maybe Kelly Jones would be amazing. Yeah. This. Kelly Jones would be perfect. Yeah. Actually. Well, you guys are like besties now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Make, Kelly, you hear it? We're, hi- we're hiring you for our book. You're on board now. Right, right. <laughs> it's done and said, and uh, and he's a writer, so he'd probably have a lot of good yeah. uh, influence. But whoever, but whoever we pick on it, we've had, we've yeah. talked to some people, but I mean, really, before we even think about art style and art, we're gonna f- get a whole fleshed out story bible and that kind of yeah, we have to say because the first one we kind of see. I, I don't, John, you tell me if you don't agree, and be feel, feel free to say you don't agree. I feel like the first thing needs to be an OGN. And then oh, from there, yeah, it yeah. can be fleshed out into like we need to have a complete story of about what ninety to one hundred and twenty pages. I would say about one hundred and twenty pages. Yeah, in OGN for this. Yep. And then from there, if if something is there that people love, then we can we can do an ongoing thing, or maybe we do a second one. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no you guys have seen Supernatural, right? Oh yeah, I've seen the. I, I'm on season four, fifth, thirteen right now. Since now, so my question for you guys: So you know how Supernatural has individual episodes, but there's an overarching storyline that goes through the first season or two. Yeah, yeah. is that kind of is that the style you're going with for your story, or are you guys going to have a, a direct storyline, or are these going to be no, we'll have, building? Yeah, I, I think the the first overarching arc will be like say we do say the first one's 120. We're just going to say 120 pages because that's a, but a standard size, right? Yeah, yeah. So you you would have a short. It's kind of like um ex- exactly the same thing. You'd have many stories that have an o- overarching stories that each story drives the overarching forward. Gotcha. So yeah, but the first the first that first book would tell one complete story. Yeah, the first book would tell one it complete have, tight story. So that way, if nothing ever happens again, yeah, you would be completely satisfied. Exactly. It'll be a satisfying complete tale. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's not going to leave any name. We're not going to leave anything open. Well, we would leave things open, but just things but, that you could think about, not things right. that need. But to the be. over the main story, you're, you're going to start reading the story, and by the end of it, you'll have resolution for what you need resolution for. Yeah. Now, I, I'm sure the story that I think a question a lot of writers would have for you guys mm-hmm. is how do two writers work together on one project? Well, okay, so this is kind of a weird thing. Johnny and I are very lucky in the fact that our tastes and how we think of things are almost always similar. And then we have a weird thing where whoever has the best idea, I don't think that we've ever had an actual argument beyond more than five minutes to talk about something that somebody else agrees with. You know what I mean? And then we just end up going with whatever we both feel is, I think that might be a better way to go. And really we just need to sit and outline it. And once we have the outline, the beats, as everybody says, which is kind of weird. Why does people who write comic books call it the beats when, <laughs> when you write a novel? It's the outline. Right, right. Well, there's story beats in a novel too, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Anyways, once we have that all down, then everything else is superfluous, right? It, it's drawing everything to that, those those topical sentences, you know, and then having our conclusion and then going on and then writing out the, the um, you know, the script and stuff. The script and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of the beauty parts about being a comic book and the way that it's because comics is such a visual medium is our script to tell the story doesn't have to be. Uh, we're not we're not just argue about it. We have to create the idea and create the picture of that, and then work with our artists to tell that story through the visuals. And then you know the the actual dialogue and narration can always be modified to fit yep. better with a page how, how the page looks. Right. So it's it's kind of great in the fact that we can create this. We can create a script. You know how, for whether the artists we work with want a tight script or a loose script, we can create that script to their, to their needs. Right. And we can tell this story and then mold the story around their art in some ways, because I, I really think that you should always mold, your, you know, you write your scripts, right. And then, but then you always mold them around the art to make them meld to be, to be, to become one, right. Cause they should, they should mold together and become one thing. The art and the, the writing uh, they should be the same thing. 
So with Kinderconnect together, you know, we do, we, we don't see everything eye to eye and everything we think of, but where we, where we yeah. differ on, we both have a great way of articulating why we differ on it. And we can usually come to an agreement of, oh, okay, I understand why I you think it's better. I see where you're going with this. I didn't right. think of it that way. That's cool. a cool idea. Let's go with that instead. That, yeah. That's better than my idea. So uh, really, I mean. It goes back and forth. It goes back and forth. Will there, will there probably be arguments of us going, no, you're fucking dumb? Probably, <laughs> but. <laughs> I will always win those. Right. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> so so yeah, you, guys, you guys doing full script or Marvel style? So, I, I prefer a full script. Yeah, we'll do full script. What we'll probably do is our first draft will be loose scripting, Marvel style a little bit, where it's just more descriptive. And then we'll go back through and do full script on top of that. Um, just that just that way so we can do a story beat outline of what's happening per page and then flesh it out from there. And then depending upon the artists we use will depend upon how detailed that full script becomes. Yeah, we'll probably have, we'll probably get somebody to, to, to pencil and ink and then Johnny will probably want to, We'll probably want to color it. Yeah, I'll probably I'll probably do all the colors. But if it. he doesn't want it because it, it'll be a lot of work, then we'll, we'll we'll find somebody to do that as well. I'll say I'll do it now, but then we'll see how it comes for deadlines. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Deadlines. Three, three, three pages is one thing. One hundred and twenty is a whole different story. Yeah. If you see what we have, I mean, like when we're off air, we can tell you more if you if you're interested in knowing. But um, when we started talking about it, we talked about it for like a week straight. We wouldn't shut up. Like we didn't talk about anything else. That's all we talked about. You know. And it was like trying to get everything out of your head just so that we have it somewhere um, was, I think was super important, you know? And it, and it's kind of funny. It was like, we talked, you know, the funny thing is, is we talked to JMD Mateus and then he left, you know, we went over everything about Spider-Man and, and Craven's last hunt, which is to me still the greatest Spider-Man Craven story ever. I think it's, a, for me, it's my, it's my favorite Spider-Man story ever. Um, but we got off the phone with him and then we just kept talking. And then all of a sudden this whole thing came out of it and it was like, wow, we have something here. We have something here that we both really, really like. And it's yeah, everything yeah. that we like about something. And it's so it's like, mm, this is going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> we probably won't. I mean, this, this is, this is like a two year plan to get this book done. Or if not, if yeah. not a three year plan on this thing, but yeah, easy. it's, it's, I mean, we're not going to stop working. We're going to work on it between the podcast time, between working on Ayn. So it's, it's, Literally, our, basically our three projects are, because Kinnick's a pretty big part of Ayn's, people don't know that. He's a big, he's like the hype man for Ayn's who kind of like gives me the motivation behind the scenes <laughs> to keep fucking going. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of insane, which is why he gets one of the special thanks in the back of the book. But between Ayn's, between Spoiler Country, and between this, we've kind of got our, our three big creative projects. And I've had to mentally stop myself from working on other things because I have a habit, if you know me, to work on a million things at once. Um, which is why when I was doing web comics, I had 16 at one time active all at the same time, which is insane. But it's kind of these three things are such big projects. They, they kind of help keep me focused. So I, and, and I honestly cannot wait to get writers of the West done uh, and, and see it and, and, and read it myself because it's just, it's such a, it's a story that I would love to read. It's super encompassing. I think that's the only issue we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it's going to be a lot of research, which is good. And it, I, 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 I welcome the research for this story because I want to make sure it's not I – don't, I don't necessarily care too much about it being historically accurate. I just want it to be culturally accurate. Right, right. I just want it to be culturally accurate. And, and maybe we – and I don't know. You know, we got to find the right people to work with, the right people to understand what we're trying to do. And then and then go from there because really I think we're looking to do the supernatural thriller type style that is um, one is I don't I don't want to say thought provoking but genuinely 
makes you think about things. You know what I mean? Like, oh shit. So thought provoking. Thought provoking I mean, in a lot of it ways. Is. It is. Yeah. And I want it to be scary. You know, I want people to go, that was a scary book. <laughs> yeah. Scary, not jump scary. Like scary, right. like, like visceral mental scare. Like you're thinking about things and oh my God, not like, oh, they murdered that people and ripped their skulls open, but like, yeah, legit scary. Yeah. We're, and the thing is, is I want things I want to understand. It's not going to be, I don't feel that it's going to be written for the, the book that it needs to be. So if it happens to be appropriate for a young adult, then it happens to be appropriate for a young adult, but we're not going to skew it to be a young adult. It's going to be yeah. what, what, whatever it ends up being as we write it is what it's going to be. Right. So if it just happens to have a protagonist that is 13, 14 years old, but she's not going to be in a world that is la 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 sing song and dance. No. You, you know what I mean? It's going to be a legit adult world. You right. know, and bad things are going to happen. People are going to die and things are going to not always go the way she needs it to go. Right. It's going to be written for this. As you said, written for the story it needs to tell wherever that lands on the spectrum of ratings or whatever it needs to be. That's where it's going to be. Yep. So, yeah, that's our that's our that's our that's our story. That's our story, man. And what do you sticking, think, Jeff? And we're sticking to it. Oh, it sounds really cool. I'd like to see you guys finish it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm super excited, actually. Yeah. I'm really excited. We talk about it all the time, still. Yeah. <laughs> well, the most exciting part is is when when you're it's conception. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, the thing is, is how do you get it to? I'm sure you struggle with this all the time yourself. When you're thinking of a story and you get excited, how do you get somebody else excited for what's in your head? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to get it out. And hopefully, when they see it, they see it. No, I completely agree. That's a show. That's Donnie. a show. All right. If you guys like what you heard, you want to hear more, please check us out at po- I almost said Poilerverse. At Poilerverse. At Poilerverse. At Spoilerverse.com. And there's a ton of other podcasts, not just ours, not just Spoiler Country, but a lot of other guys. And you know what? Right now, everything is free. There's no paywall. There is not. You can read, you can listen to all the podcasts. You can listen to read all the articles, read all the reviews and previews. And tons of other fun stuff. Articles from Sarah K. Sarah K. Sarah K. Wow. About I, we can't talk tonight, man. Uh, it's all the beer we drinking. Hey, you know, there's so much stuff there. You can you can click on that store link right in the middle there. Go to our store. Get a T-shirt, a hoodie, face mask to go out in public because you need to wear face masks because you care about people because I know you do. And uh, you know, all the, as I always, say look fly as hell and help support us out and help keep the lights on. You guys go, Jeff. You got anything before we go? Um, yeah, you can buy copies of Malik Running Devil on Indie Planet right now. There you go. Beautiful. Nice. All right, guys, we're out of here. And as always, the notions of podcasts. We are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind <laughs> and read more. <laughs> All right. All right. So now we're done recording. Yeah, I stopped it. Let me stop the Zoom, too.